You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBattleLeroy.com. Continue along in our study of our uh, proposed constitution we'll be voting on in January, and really, hopefully, we're looking in the Word as well here. Um, if you don't have a copy of that, I made some more this week. They're on the back table. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here, and this may seem weird. We're going through a constitution. What is? Are we looking at the old American Constitution? No, it's for our church here. Uh, we're glad you're here, and hopefully you follow along, and hopefully you one day would call Bethany home as well and be part of the body of Christ as we look at what the church is to be, what it looks like. Uh, And in these three weeks here specifically, we've been looking at uh, the area of membership. What does it look like to be a member of a church? And so let's turn in our scriptures to the book of Ephesians Uh, again. We're going to be using a portion of Ephesians here. Uh, to look at it's Ephesians chapter four verse eleven is really where I'll uh, pick up from. It's kind of midway, but it's all right. We'll we'll read from there. Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. As you're getting there, uh, let's show our picture of the week here. Now is Jonathan Hupka here? Uh, this is his picture from last week. Um, I'm not a great interpreter of this one, so but Jonathan had some great uh, artistry going on here. He's got the the, the the earth on the other side, I got that. There's ocean birds, um, you know, two pastor Mike from Jonathan, it's great. And on the other, the right side, something about saving you. One side's bad, 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 but the other side's better, better, better. So Jonathan's not here to interpret, so I'm just going to say, you're better with Christ. I, I don't know what he was going after, but uh meant to ask him, but he's not here. But anyway, kids, thank you for what you're drawing and turning in. Uh, forgive me if I don't always interpret it right. You know what you're drawing, okay? So, uh, thank you for that. All right, let's look at at God's Word here first. <clears throat> and then we'll pray it again together. So I'm in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me pray for us again. Lord, again, we're seeking you not because of our own strength, our own wisdom or knowledge. Uh, Lord, we're seeking you because you are life and light 
You alone are to be the treasure of our hearts. And Lord, You've placed together this body of believers to build us up in You. And so guide us, Lord, as we even think through the mechanical, the pages of a constitution. Lord, that You would spur us on towards growth in You. We're not just about policy. We're not just about documents. But we're about Your glory. We're about living for You and calling one another to live for You. So help us in the time that we have, Lord, to understand You, to understand Your Word, and to apply it in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, asking Your power by the Spirit, Lord. Amen. Well, hopefully today, kind of from the the video as well, we, we're standing really on the shoulders of the reformers of the 16th century and and on from there, and even before then. And we want to seek to be a church that proclaims some of those same proclamations of the Reformation, the authority of Scripture, the great grace of God, and the only hope for sinners, Christ Jesus. May we not lose these focuses that Jesus in him we have a righteousness that's by faith it's not by our own works it's not by our own deeds and so in this righteousness all the glory goes again to God alone I want us to look back as we did on our first week together kind of in this study on this purpose statement of our church as we get deeper into our constitution to just remember our purpose so if we could put that up here we'll just see that together and this is kind of why we're putting things under this. Why are we, why membership? Why scripture? Why Christ? God's glory, hopefully, is, is what's going on here. And so Bethany Bible Church exists to delight in that we treasure God alone. We exist to display. We display Him to one another, to the world, and to declare by proclamation, we declare God's glory alone, not man's. And then part of that coming right from our passage here that we read today to equip his people to then go spread that delight through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our delight does not come from this building or the things we will do. It comes from Christ alone. That's who we're to delight in and to treasure. God is building his church for his glory. That's the wonderful thing. He is doing that. He's building it to declare His truth. And last week, we looked at membership in terms of who we are in Christ and being knit together as members of His church, submitting to one another in love, submitting to the authority He's placed here, kind of under shepherds in His church, authority over His church, all so that, again, for this, God may be glorified in our lives. Thank you, guys. So we're going to look more practically uh, today at what we as elders, what we're proposing in terms of church membership, what it looks like in terms of uh, requirements. What does that look like? Uh, how do we receive one as a member? What is termination of membership? What does that look like? And then really next week we'll be getting to uh, the expectations uh, of the members. So if you look, if you have a constitution, I've got mine up here. Hopefully I'm on the right page it's page four is kind of where we're at and i'll be referencing some of the paragraphs and then we'll be kind of going back and forth here just really 
just highlighting as we go, explaining as we go, and so forth. So I'm on page four. I'm under Article 5, under church membership. If you were not with us last week, uh, hopefully we'll have it online for you to listen to just kind of more. What's the biblical basis behind seeking membership, formal membership, that is? Uh, But we're here in Article 5, and we're in um, really Section A here, Requirements for Membership. So let me read the first The first uh, paragraph, number one here, to be eligible for for membership, a person must demonstrate repentance toward God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance and faith toward our Lord Jesus, which produces godly works. The demonstration of these realities naturally requires observation over a period of time. The duration of this time shall be determined by the elders on a case by case basis. The idea here, just to kind of in summary form, the idea is that one's life, lifestyle, ought to reflect their beliefs, what they say they believe. But let me be clear here, especially on a Reformation-type anniversary. We are not justified or declared righteous by our works. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about when God does a work in the heart, then the believer is going to show forth that fruit in their lives. If you just turn back, you're in Ephesians. Hopefully you can juggle these constitution, your Bible and these sorts of things. If you just go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. Really one of the hallmark passages on grace here. It's a great passage on sinners saved by grace through faith and then what it will produce. Let me read verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. May we declare that. And then verse 10. For we are His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. Not to stay in our sin, not to stay in that way, but for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, we're not saved as a result of works, but we are saved to do good works. And that's what part of this is about. So we desire then, in terms of membership, to be a church of disciples of Christ. What's that word, disciples? We, we follow Christ. It's not merely, we're not a church based on just a prayer. And this can be easy to get into. Just based on a prayer you made when you were young or older. Or maybe just one experience or a confession at some point. It's, it's the active lifestyle. Are you now a follower of Christ? Are you following Him in your life? Don't hear in that perfection. We're looking for a per No. This, do you desire Christ to follow Him? Do you act in a way that says, I have a Lord and Master. He's Jesus. So this accountability, I think, is really, it's at the heart of church membership. That, that even we as a membership are holding one another accountable to say either, I saw you baptized or you've... You've claimed Christ. Are you walking in that way? And I, I hold you, dear brother or dear sister, to that. That's what we want to do amongst one another. Membership is a tool in doing that. Okay, the next one. Number two on baptism. Is baptism required? Here's what we've written. We believe that baptism is not necessary for salvation 
but is better understood as an important step of obedience in every believer's life and walk with Christ. For this reason, it is not a requirement for membership at Bethany Bible Church. I want to say two things in regard to this statement in here. One, hear the thrust. It's your heart, not the water. We'll talk about the water in a bit, but the baptism that is most Our most concern is not a water baptism, but the baptism of the heart, the regeneration of the heart to Christ, that Christ has and is making you a new creation in him. The water baptism, as our class learned this last Wednesday, just a symbol of what's already gone on inside uh, the heart. So, again, that's what we're most concerned about. But please don't hear in this statement that we see water baptism as unimportant. It's one of the initial steps, really, of following Christ. Repent and be baptized. I think it's of such importance that as, you, as we would interview as elders, we would interview members and say, have you been baptized? And, and if the answer is negative, it's not a, again, we're saying it's not a requirement for membership, but I think we would say, why have you not taken that step of obedience, that first step? I love how uh, Mark Dever, uh, or Dever, however you say his name, says this about baptism. Um, He says, getting wet is the easiest command Jesus ever gave to follow. It only gets harder from there. Okay? Now, I realize in some cultures, it is not an easy step. It is a step of death. So don't don't hear me put that down. But I'm saying it's it's our first initial step of obedience is to say, I want to be baptized. And so we would strongly... Uh, encouragingly urge that. But again, not seeing it as a part of salvation, uh, we're seeing it not as a requirement. Number three, if you're going down, paragraph number three, I'll read it. He or she must also profess voluntary, informed, and substantial agreement with the purpose, covenant, and statement of faith of Bethany Bible Church. Substantial agreement is that which satisfies the elders that there is a like-mindedness which will preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One who is not in basic agreement with the purpose, constitution, and statement of faith of Bethany Bible Church could not be consistently submissive to her teaching ministry. Therefore, to admit such a person to membership in Bethany Bible Church would be unwise, divisive, and unscriptural. Now, I'm not, given, uh, I'm not going through every scripture that's listed here. You've got those to look at. Uh, Ephesians 4.3 is listed here. Um, you can look those up on your own, some of the, the other ones that we'll cover. I want to take a little more time on this one. What we're saying is our, our purpose, our constitution, our statement of faith, they are to guide and direct our unity together in Christ. Again, we might ask, well, couldn't we just simply say we're all to love Jesus? We're to do good works. Let's just, isn't that enough? And we've talked about that, I think, in weeks past, which can lead to other questions. You know, just loving Jesus. Well, which Jesus? Who Jesus? Just a social Jesus? Is this Jesus? Well, no, he's the Son of God. Okay, we're already getting into, into doctrine, right? Uh, did he die on the cross? Yes. Did he raise again? Okay, we're already we're, we're, uh, studying theology there. Who is Christ? Is he fully man and fully God? And so forth. And so those things are kind of borne out in the statement of faith. And again, like we saw, our purpose that we're united in what we're to be about. Not for our own glory, but for God's 
glory. I thought of one illustration. You may find it helpful or not. I thought of Congress. Maybe that's a touchy subject these days. Or, or the Senate or the President. And I thought of them in terms of their, their members. They're all elected officials. And we would preach that God's elect are those that are saved, right? And so they're these elect, they have these elected positions, this office. But though they have all been elected, we, none of us would really agree if you paid attention to the news that they're all united under one tent. Uh, not even all the Democrats are together. All the Republicans are all together. Some go there for different reasons. Some want to serve in Congress because the power is great there and it's addicting and so they're serving. Maybe some have more wholesome uh, motives and they want to really serve their people. They want to hold true to what they said they would do. Maybe some in the middle. Um, I think even all, they all have opinions and thoughts as to what guides them. But they're all not united. And the environment there, it's just gotten hostile, even to where, right, just one, each one runs to do what's right in their own eyes. And we can see that there. So they, though they are members of Congress and these things, they lack unity. I think our goal in this with the purpose, the covenant, the statement of faith is that unified mission of our church, that we have a clear purpose, that we covenant. Now, that's a big word. We're going to look at that next week, that we covenant together to say, I submit to you, I submit to the church as leading my life. I want to be part of that and to our statement of faith as well. If you look back in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16, where uh, I read before, I think we'll see maybe some truths here in light of this discussion, in light of this point number three. If you look at verses 11 through 12, I think we're looking at true bodybuilding here. That, that through Christ, our King and Deliverer, God is graciously supplying the church. And this is coming through Christ. So verse 11, He gave the apostles, He gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers... Verse 12, why? To what? To equip the saints, that's everyone in Christ, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. There is an equipping ministry instituted by Christ for the building up of His body. Christ is the head. He's the builder of the church. And He does so through His people. And then look at what continues in verse 13, there's kind of an until there's a there's again, the goal continues until verse 13. Let me read it through 14 until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, any of this is always connected to Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The goal here is unity of faith. The object of faith is Christ, again, which leads to maturity, mature manhood, that we not be tossed about. And so verse 14, it really leads to stability in our lives. So growth in Christ 
ought to lead to doctrinal stability. No longer tossed back and forth, as Paul says, by every wind of doctrine. The equipping and building and unity and knowledge towards Christ, they're, they're to bring stability to this ship we call the church. It made me think of the camp where my parents are a part of where I grew up at, has sailboats. I don't know if you've ever sailed in a boat called a sunfish. It's this, one of those small sailboats where two people, you know, there's, no, there's a hole for your legs, but that's about it. And it's got the sail. You can go out on the lake and it's very fun. But before you go sailing in that boat, you've got to take something with you. Because if you don't, the boat's very tossed about. It's very tippy. If you've sailed at all, it's the centerboard. It's a long board, probably about this long. And you go swim, you swim through the water, you take it out, you get to the sailboat, and you put that centerboard in a hole designated for it, and it goes down, and it goes down deep into the water, and it brings stability to that sailboat so that the sailboat's not rocked back and forth. I think part of our coming together and our purpose covenanting together our statement of faith is part of that centerboard work. Do we have a boat? Yeah. Are we, are we prone to be tossed back and forth? Absolutely. We need a centerboard. And that's part of what this is getting at for our membership. And so part of submission to the church as a whole it's not just submission even to elders, but submission to one another, a covenant. And to submit to the doctrinal moorings that say this is what we believe about God and His church and salvation and so forth. I think if we can't submit in these places first, what happens when other conflict, which painfully it does occur, doesn't it? Amongst us even. Amongst my own family, with me at the center. Conflict happens. What do we do in that? We have a basis. We say, no, we believe this. We've covenanted. We have a purpose together. Let's come back to that. We want those things to unite us. So we want members of Bethany to be both ones who claim and live out their faith in Christ and also agree together in purpose and the doctrines of the church. So then we move on here to letter B. What does it look like to be received into membership? I won't take nearly as long on this section, but I'll read it so that we have read through it. Um, I'll start in uh, I'm at letter, I almost said number, letter B down at the bottom of page four, reception and membership. Here's, here's the procedure to be followed for those desiring membership in Bethany Bible Church of Leroy, Minnesota. Number one, any person desiring to become a member of the church must participate in membership classes in which the basic teachings and practices of the church and the responsibilities and commitments of members are explained. Um, I'm not going to go in depth on that one. I I think it's pretty self-explanatory. The next one here, number two, upon completion of these classes, an individual will submit a written testimony to the elders explaining his or her understanding and experience of the gospel of Christ. The twofold purpose of the written testimony is to enable present members to have proper spiritual discernment concerning potential members and to enjoy knowledgeable fellowship with them. So after this class and membership, those desiring to pursue membership are to simply write down their story, which is really God's story, isn't it? 
It's a public proclamation of one's relationship to Christ. And it gives the membership here, has been stated, it gives them a chance to read that testimony and have proper discernment in terms of, does this person understand the gospel? Don't hear in this a test for academic knowledge. It's not a seminary term paper footnoted and all those sorts of things. It's to say, here's what God's done in my life. I realized where I was. I was a sinner. I saw my need. I want to live for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's also part of us enjoying fellowship together. I don't know how many of us know each other's testimonies or when the last time is we said, hey, tell me when you came to know Christ. It could be a great entry into understanding and knowing uh, different ones among us. Really, in one, it's one of the most important aspects for a believer in Christ. And yet we may have never heard the story, so it's good to hear this and be encouraged. Part of fellowship together. Number three. So, class, testimony, number three. If the applicant is or has been a member of another church, special effort will be made to determine his or her standing in that church and their reasons for leaving. At the discretion of the elders, a letter of inquiry concerning the person's standing may be sent to that church before his, his or her really acceptance as a member in this church is determined. We at Bethany, we're not interested in stealing sheep from other flocks. We want those to come to know Christ. And we want to do due diligence with those that are coming from different churches. And as we'll see in a bit, those moving on to different churches. I hope you see the scope for even the elders. What we're undertaking is it's not enough to just care. We're caring for where those coming have come from. Is there healing? Does there need to be healing taking place? Are they... Are they perhaps under a discipline of another church and they're coming here? How do we shepherd them as they come in? And we'll see in a bit heading out as well. So we want to uh, look at those things. Number four. Um, number four, upon the reception of any written testimony, an elder or elders will meet with the applicant. After this personal interview and elder approval, the name of the applicant shall be announced for at least three consecutive Lord's Days, Sundays, at stated gatherings of the church. This time period is where everybody comes into this. This time period is for the purpose of enabling the members to read his testimony and to raise any questions or objections concerning the applicant's qualifications. Members are expected to consider this a personal duty of the most serious character. And a voice to the elders all questions or objections that are not resolved through personal contact with the applicant. So a couple parts to this statement in number four. One, there's a personal interview with the elders. There's approval of the elders. There's announcing the name for three weeks. And then there's this public, there's the testimony that's posted and, and any questions or objections of that individual to be uh, for the elders or uh, to be given to the elders. And so part of the duty of each member is to consider one desiring membership. That's part of it. And, and again, to ask, is their walk consistent with their profession of Christ? Not perfection, 
But again, an attitude. Is there an attitude of serving the Lord Jesus Christ and the one applying for membership? Uh, Time won't allow it. We do reference Leviticus 19 uh, in this. You might say, what's that coming from? And uh, I'd invite you, we don't have time to go back there and look, but it's helpful in terms of how to deal with these objections uh, and that of not slandering a neighbor, uh, not doing it with hate in the heart. It's loving your neighbor. Or as Ephesians is going to put it, as Paul puts it, really speaking the truth in love and how that takes place. Reference the Matthew 18 section here, really in here as well, is, is going first. Those with objections to somebody becoming a member, is to go to them first. Say, hey, I see you want to become a member. Tell me about this in your life. Working, trying to work that out, and if need be, uh, with the elders. Okay, then number five in the Constitution, just kind of to wrap it up, after at least three consecutive Lord's Days and after settling all concerns or objections, the person will be publicly received at a stated meeting of the church. All right, now we're just going to move on to the last section here that we're going to look at really today, and that's one of termination I mean, that's a heavy word there, termination, and it should be, of membership. And then next week, we're going to really look at um, the covenant together as members one to another. So termination. Um, The first one here, I'm on letter C. One is by physical death. That's how one terminates their membership. Now, again, I'm going off that Uh, (laughs) self-explanatory. I think we all got that one. Not a lot of debate. Isn't... Let me just say, though, you can't just leave it. Isn't this how we want to go? We want to leave to glory uh, from, from here. And so that's, that's part of it. We want to go home to be with Jesus forever, uh, having faithfully served the Lord. So that's, that's really optimal there. Another one, number two, let me read it. By removal to another faithful church. is what we say. There are times in the providence of God that members will relocate to a new geographical location. Members are strongly urged to ensure the safety of their souls, uh, i.e., for example, a known faithful church where their souls will be fed and cared for before such a relocation is carried out. When it is so requested, a letter of recommendation may be sent to the church the member wishes to join. No such letter will be given to a member who is at the time under the corrective discipline of this church. The elders may refuse to grant a letter of recommendation to any church which is in their judgment disloyal to the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints or which does not exercise godly oversight and care of the sheep entrusted to uh, her care. Relocation is just a reality in our day, whether it's for work or maybe taking care of an aging parent or whatever the reason. You see in here Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 listed, and maybe at first grant, glance think, is this out of place? Here's what the verse says. You have to turn there. Does, does this speak to, to moving? How does the, just listen to the verse. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Again, rather than seeking here what Jesus is saying, what, seeking what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, for God cares about these things. We're to seek first His kingdom. Indirectly, that means seeking a fellowship of believers even in the locality of a move somewhere. And here again, the elders 
and the church as a whole can be part of that. It's not, well, they're leaving, I'm moving. It's, would you guys help me find a Bible-believing church or to, to allow the church to be part of that process uh, in that or one another even in that? And so, again, that's part of, part of helping maybe those that would come from other churches and helping as moves take place to other places. Well, number three, then, as I'm reading under membership termination, how is it, how is a, if we're doing a formal membership, how is it terminated? Number three is by resignation. I'll read this one. Occasionally, a member whose conduct does not warrant corrective discipline and who is in good standing in the church may request termination of his membership. Resignation may be warranted for the following reasons. There's two of them here. One, a member in good standing may conclude that he is not truly saved. Or two, a member in good standing may wish to terminate his membership for reasons that do not impugn his Christian profession. If requested, a letter of recommendation may be considered by the elders. And you heard me read, there's two conditions associated with this, this resignation of membership. One is just not saved. Again, as we uh, receive members into the church, that's not always a, a perfect uh, case. We don't perfectly see the heart as God does. And so that person may, through time, say, I, I don't know that I'm saved. And, and that sort of thing. I think we can see that even in Acts. as through there. So that's part of a resignation. The other one, this resignation not impugning to his Christian profession, we might ask, what, what's this all about? I think this is someone who's, they're not under any discipline of the elders, and it's for reasons that don't call into question their profession of faith. Let me just say, I don't think this is, this is not ideal. In other words, I don't want to give the impression that membership, it's kind of a take it or leave it. Hey, here's the, here's the out, I'll just resign, that sort of thing. We want to be serious about our commitment to one another. Almost as, as serious as we would be if we're marrying someone. That type of covenant. But it is an option for which discipline here, in this case it's not required, but maybe there's doctrinal differences that arrive which just cannot be resolved. Or really differences that are present, but they're outside the scope of requiring church discipline. And so that's where this, uh, this might fall under here in this resignation of membership. Well, there's one last one, and it's the most severe Again, it's, it's a step of last resort, and that's number four. I'm, I'm on page six now. Number four, uh, by uh, termination of membership by excommunication. Let me read it for us. According to the teaching of Holy Scripture, a congregation must cut off from its fellowship and visible membership any person who teaches or insists on holding to false and heretical doctrine or who blatantly or persistently conducts himself in a manner inconsistent with his Christian profession, or who persists in disturbing the unity or peace of the church. You see some scriptures listed there. Again, like I said, this is a last resort and not to be taken lightly, but with much prayer and with a process. We as a church, we are to be representatives. Jonathan Lehman in his book on membership calls us uh, like an embassy uh, uh, to the world. And to Leroy, we are to be a light as of Christ here where we're at. 
But when the light is indistinguishable from the darkness, we, there needs to be a separation that takes place. And even that separation is done. Don't hear that in a, let's just separate, but it's for restoration, that they might fear God and come back to the light of Christ again. Part of this section is really going to come under the topic of church discipline, which is a whole separate study, and we're going to do that when we get to Article uh, 11, it is. So we're going to look at that then. Here's what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, uh, by any means, there's not room within our body for lively discussion or debate, those sorts of things. But there must be discernment on the part of the church of what's, what's debate and what's really divisiveness or this stirring up of uh, division within the church. And again, by prayer and trusting the Lord to walk through that. Having said that, we're kind of back in the sense, full circle to what we hold to as a church. Holding to what we believe as the, about the gospel is written in our statement of faith and protecting ourselves against false doctrines. It's part of protection of our church. That rope analogy we'll look at more next week. Uh, Paul even, I mean, he had this warning to the elders uh, in Ephesus, it was in Acts 20. You don't have to go there. But he said this. He said, uh, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And he admonishes them to be alert. And so, too, we are wise to be alert. And again, that, that just takes us back to some of the foundational unity we have around our purpose and covenant and statement of faith, ultimately around Christ and his word. You see letter D there, the expectation of members. Um, let me just, uh, we're going to skip over that because we'll be looking at, at that more next week in terms of the, the covenant, as I said. Let me just finish rather briefly here. Uh, back in Ephesians 4, the last two verses. Ephesians four fifteen through 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, it's been about, I think, two years since I even came to candidate here. And preached on a similar passage as I'm reading this, a similar one in Colossians on the body and working and all the joints working together, each part working properly. To sum that up, we affect one another. We're not just individuals. And as we think about membership, I hope we're coming away with this thought that, that you, dear saint, each one of you that calls Christ your Savior, you're not a small part of the body of believers, but as a believer, you're a crucial joint of support for the building of this body up in Christ. So here's what's fascinating as we just take that just one step further in application. Your walk with Christ affects my life. I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but it does. So too, my life affects you. And so too, you affect the person in the row sitting next to you or the person across the rows or behind the rows. We affect one another as we're built up in Christ. 
We're knit together. We're to be joined together in Christ. And so we affect one another. So we don't want to think of our church just made up of a congregation, kind of just ambiguous. We're that building on Main Street uh, that we go to. There's some leaders. There's a pastor, this sort of thing. We want every part, the body, the functioning, the organic body to be built up, maturing in Christ. As you individually grow in Christ and love him more, and I hope each one of you do, this body grows together in love. It's pretty fascinating how God has put that together. Uh, Paul Tripp says this uh, in a series we watched. It was last fall. Just the title of it. it says, Your Walk with God is a Community Project. I think that sums it up pretty well. Your walk with God is not, that's just my personal, it's just, it's mine. It, it affects each one of us here. So let us, every one of us, be built up in Christ. Let us be joined together in him, speaking the truth in love, building the church up by his grace, by his power, with weak individuals to grow in love. Let me pray for us. Lord, again, we we would not, I guess we're prone to, we don't want to set out on this journey of what it looks like to be a church, what it looks like to be members one of another, what it looks like to be for your glory and to exalt Christ without saying, Lord, we need your power for all these things. And so we pray. And Lord, I pray we pray more and more and pray, as Paul says, without ceasing for you to work amongst us. And Lord, for you first to work in each of our hearts, mine included, to love you, Lord, to treasure you, to seek first your kingdom, to not seek any type of kingdom man offers or any, any sort of joy that, that man can fill the gap that you're to fill. I pray that, that our treasures would be in you alone and our joy in you alone, our delight and our glory in you alone because you are with us. You, your spirit is with the believer and you've, you've uh, justified us, declared us righteous. Some of the, the shouts of the Reformation in Christ. So Lord, guide us to go forth even this week, Lord, in Christ with the power that comes from you in the gospel. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.